All right, how many of you like a good bowl of soup, right? There's nothing like on a cold day coming in and sitting down with a nice bowl of soup. It's an amazing experience. Go ahead and drop down in the comments your favorite type of soup. Go ahead, come on. I want to see those down there. Mine probably is uh, Italian wedding soup with the little noodle things and the, the little meatballs and the spinach and all that kind of stuff that's in there. I don't even know really what the ingredients are. and I don't super care. It just tastes great. But there's something about that experience of having a good soup. If you go to a ski lodge, right, and you're out there skiing all day and you come back inside, uh, that would be an amazing thing to have when you're cold. And they're going to charge you a premium for it, kind of like a hot dog at the baseball stadium, right? There's enough about soup, right? I could talk about soup all day. So let's look at God's word in Genesis 25, 21. It says, And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So when she went to inquire of the Lord, uh, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided, and one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb, For the first came out red, and all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. And afterwards his brother came out with his hand holding on Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. We see again this problem of being barren, right? Isaac and Rebekah had a problem. They could not have children. But Isaac's family knew something about this problem of of having children. Isaac's father, Abraham, and mother, Sarah, prayed for a long time that they might have a child. And God provided. At age 90, Sarah had Isaac. Abraham was 100 years old. So this miracle child, Isaac, was taught about God from a young age by his father, Abraham. And there was no spiritual lesson that was bigger for Isaac than the lesson that he learned on Mount Moriah. You remember that, right? God had commanded Abraham to sacrifice his only son from his wife, Sarah, which is crazy, right? They had prayed so long for this child. But Abraham led Isaac up Mount Moriah, and Isaac laid down on the altar to be killed. But just as Abraham raised the knife to kill his son, God stopped him. God told Abraham instead to kill a ram that was caught in the thorns right there. See, God never wanted uh, Abraham to kill Isaac, right? This was a test of his faith. But Abraham was ready to kill his only son from his uh, wife, Sarah, in obedience to God. But instead, God provided a precious lamb to take his place, just like God provided a precious lamb to take our place. God always provides. So this is the background for Isaac. And Isaac was taught by his father and his mother to trust God, that God would provide. 
So Isaac and his wife, Rebekah, prayed for 20 years for a son. The Bible said they entreated God. And they prayed earnestly and fervently. And God provided a double blessing, which is twins. But something was different about this pregnancy. Rebecca's stomach constantly rolled and the babies moved and repositioned themselves almost as if they were wrestling. They're in her womb just body slamming each other. I remember uh, with my kids seeing a foot pressed up against the inside of Tori's belly. It was a weird thing to be like, man, there's a baby in there. But Rebecca took this situation to God in prayer and she was worried about what was going on. She thought maybe there was a problem with her children. And God told Rebecca that these two sons were going to be very different. God told her there was two countries in her womb. And these two baby boys would be the father of two different nations. Jacob would be the father of the nation of Israel, and Esau would be the father of the nation of Edom, who would later fight Israel for hundreds of years. Uh, Many scholars believe that the Edomites assimilated into the people group that we know as the Palestinians today, and that this battle between these two brothers is still going on in the Middle East. But the Bible says the older would serve the younger, and that was the opposite of the way that the culture was structured. Esau was born first, but baby Jacob held on to baby Esau's ankle and was born right after. Verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. So these two grew up. It couldn't be more different. Esau was a headstrong hunter, and he loved the outdoors, and he was covered in thick red hair. I imagine he was strong and tough, a real man's man, much like myself. Jacob was a plain man, though, that loved the comforts of home. Maybe he loved to study and learn. Maybe he loved to help his mother with housework. Now, favoritism is a uh, thing that is not good for parents to take part in. But Isaac loved Esau, and Rebekah loved Jacob. And that's just how it was. These brothers were so different. Esau went one day out to hunt. His father, Isaac, loved deer meat. Esau probably put all his camo on, right, and and sprayed some scent on him, got his 30-06, and he went out to hunt. I don't know whether it was a day, maybe a couple days, but he didn't kill anything. Nothing's worse than hunting all day and not seeing anything or even seeing something that you want to kill and missing the shot. So he's gone several days without eating. And needless to say, Esau is starving. He was hangry. He was so hungry that things that aren't edible, I'm sure, began to start looking delicious. Has that ever happened to you? Were you out walking, maybe on a hike or something? You're like, man, that leaf looks pretty good. I like the color. Or I wonder if this red berry is edible or not. Is it going to poison me or is it going to be great? Or maybe you've been so hungry that you start to look at the pencil that's in your hand. And you're like, man, it's just such a vibrant color of 
yellow. It looks so delicious. We could begin to see things that aren't edible and begin to have our stomach just growl. Verse 29 says, Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And that word means red. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau the bread and the lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And Esau despised his birthright. So Jacob was skilled at cooking, right? And he made a nice bean stew. And Esau saw that red hot uh, stew and his mouth began to water and drool started coming down the side of his mouth. Maybe it had some meat in it, like a chili or something like that. But he ran to Jacob and he said, give me that stew. I'm about to starve to death. Jacob said, why would I give you any of this? Esau says, whatever you want, you can have it. I'm going to die if I don't eat right now. And Jacob was a trickster. He had planned this whole scenario. So Jacob says, fine, look, you can have the stew, but only if you give me all of your inheritance. That's a steep price, right? Esau said, fine, whatever, I'm about to die. What good is an inheritance if I don't last next in the next few minutes. I'm going to die. He grabbed the stew and he gobbled it down as quick as he could. Esau traded his future for a bowl of stew. This wasn't the end of this conflict between these two brothers. It was only the beginning. Hebrews 12, 15 talks a little bit in the New Testament about Esau. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. See, Esau was all about right now. And that's the challenge to you today, to be careful when the world is serving stew. Esau gave up his whole future for a full belly. And the sad thing to me is not only he gave up his future for food, but it wasn't even like a steak or like a whole pizza. It was some red bean stew, a 99 cent can of soup. Esau gave up everything for that. Who knows the tens of thousands of dollars worth of inheritance that he gave up because Esau couldn't wait. All he could think about was the present, the right now. He traded his future for a bowl of stew. One of the definitions for the word lust is a strong passion for something, a longing desire for one thing, being focused in on it, the feeling of needing things now. Oswald Chambers said this, lust simply means I must have this at once. It may be a bodily appetite or a spiritual possession, but I cannot wait on God's timing. 
God is too indifferent, and that's the way that lust works. Now, was Esau really going to keel over if he didn't have something to eat in that second? Well, if you look it up, people have gone sometimes 30 days without eating, and in rare cases, like 60 days without eating. He didn't need food in that second. 1 John 2, 16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it's from the world. There's many ways these lusts can get stirred up in us. And it's not just a sexual thing. It, the lust is the need to have what I want right now. And this verse tells us there's the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. This world is full of people that want what they want and they want it now. And they begin to demand their desires and they cause conflict around them. And they hurt themselves ultimately. Many times we're willing to give up everything to have it. We see people all around us giving up everything to be famous or give up everything to get rich or to have power. All the things they used to stand for, they put them on the side. You can find that on Twitter, right? Where uh, it happens often where someone brings up a tweet where someone believed something 10 years ago and now they're doing the exact opposite and they've given it up in their pursuit of something they must have. They want to be good at something. They want to gain some possession or, or to become popular or to get recognized and they push everything else to the side. They say, I want it now. Give me that soup. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. What does that mean? It means this world is not your home. You don't belong here. You are immigrants just passing through. You are foreigners to this world. Your citizenship is in heaven. So don't make your home here says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Why? Because they war against your soul. As a Jesus follower, we're not supposed to be like this world. We're not supposed to adopt this world's customs and cultures. We are foreigners. We are sojourners and exiles. And what this world said is, is normal and acceptable. It doesn't apply to us. But some of us have long since given up on God. And we think we have waited long enough. And now it's time to take things into our own hands, right? God's not moving fast enough. He must not really love me. This problem that I'm in has lasted so Long, God must have forgotten about me, so I need to fix this. I need to make something happen. This inheritance seems so far away, Esau said. Who knows how long dad's going to live? I could be waiting forever. I need this right now. Don't trade your future for a bowl of stew. Don't risk your marriage, and your kids, and your finances for a one-night fling. Don't risk your life by letting drugs and alcohol ruin you and momentary pleasures. 
And right now, this time of isolation is a, a terrible time for addictions because we feel so alone. But don't let those momentary pleasures take your life for something that's so fleeting, for a full belly. Don't risk going to heaven for eternity by rejecting Jesus and holding on to this world. Don't sacrifice the future for right now. See, the answer to our cravings for the immediate is to focus on the eternal. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. You've got another life to live for. A life that lasts much longer. A life that's after this life. And I know it's hard to wait. And I know it's hard to, uh, you know, form your life and fashion your life for the next life. Because right now seems so pressing. But right now is only what's happening right now. There is another day that we can live for. You know that old song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We have another world to live for. Don't trade your future. Wait on the Lord. Psalms 25.5 says, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. If I can trust you with my eternal soul and to save me from hell, I can trust you to save me from this small pressing desire of right now. I will wait on you all the day long. Psalms 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong. Let your heart take courage, wait on the Lord. Don't let fear be the thing that pushes you to grab onto the right now. Wait on the Lord, take courage, take strength. Psalm 62, 5, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord, and we will be renewed with strength. Psalms 135, I wait on the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. The answer to our craving for the immediate is to focus on the internal. Wait on the Lord. God provided a a son for Abraham that he desired. And God provided for Isaac the son that he desired. God provided the lamb in the thicket for Abraham and Isaac. God always provides. He provided a precious lamb for you on the cross to die in your place. God will always provide for you what you need. Maybe not what you desire always, but what you need. So today, I don't know what stew looks so tempting to you that you're willing to risk your future to have it. But know this today, if it's outside of God's will, then it's just stew. It's soup, and it's just as silly to give up your inheritance for something that's so fleeting, for something that's going to uh, not last. And in just a little while, you're going to be just as hungry as you were before. Don't give your future up. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't put his momentary comfort over our future. 
And he took the pain and the shame of the cross instead of choosing the easy way out. Why? So that we could come to him. I challenge you to wait on God. He has great plans for you. And sometimes waiting is so hard, but it will be so worth it. Now, 2020 was full of deferred hope, and our hearts are sick of it. And sometimes that can mean we want to get in front of God, and we want to push to make things happen because God isn't moving quick enough. But don't trade your future for a bowl of stew. Don't gamble your future for a little bit of pleasure right now or a shortcut that you think will be a better way. And maybe your problem is not letting go of something that God is telling you to let go of. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an addiction or some goal. God's way is always the best way. And God's dreams for you are far better than any dreams that you could ever have. This is the first Sunday of 2021. And congratulations to those that you have joined us today. You have gone to church every single Sunday this year. Great job. But this is the first Sunday of 2021. But honestly, a calendar is something we just made up, right? Nothing is going to be different this year unless you are different. Jackie Hill Perry said it this way. She said, even if next year is just like this year, I won't be. Even if 2021 doesn't change, I will. Why don't you make that commitment to not be the same person? And look, maybe you're a little rounder than you were in 2019. Maybe you didn't read as many books as you thought you would. Maybe you didn't take that that leap in your career that you thought would happen in 2020. But look, all that stuff is temporary. All that stuff is just right now what's happening. Here's a real question. Here's an eternal question. In this last year, did you become a more fervent person of prayer? Did you bathe your heart in the truths of God's word last year? Did you step into someone else's brokenness and point them to God? Did you help lead your kids to follow Jesus? These are the real changes that need to happen in 2021. These are the things that are going to last past this moment. They're going to last forever. So let's make, why don't you commit with me to make 2021 the year that my spiritual life flourishes. Why don't you commit with me that the, to, to make this year the year that I connected daily with God and sincerely, and I didn't rush through it. I waited on the Lord. Let this be the year that I put myself on the sidelines and I love God and I love others first. Life is short. I've heard it said that the days are long, but the years are short. It's been, (laughs) just think about how quick this last year has gone. It feels like just yesterday, it was March. The days feel long, but the time goes by so quickly. And if you do not live life on purpose, you will waste your life. 
Life is but a vapor. It's here for a little while and it fades away. And you're going to get in a situation, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, next month, where you're going to have the choice to risk your future for something for right now. Don't trade your future for a bowl of stew. Why don't you bow your heads right now where you're at. Worship band's going to come. This is such a hard thing for us because we feel needs and we feel desires and we are people that are controlled by our feelings. You can wait longer than you think you can wait. You can be more patient than you thought you ever could be. You can be long-suffering far further than you thought you ever could. Especially if you put your hope in the Lord and put your hope in the eternal and in the next life. Why don't you take a moment right now Why don't you pray together as a family and ask God to make this year the year that you drive your heart deeper into God's word. Why don't you pray that God would help you as a family to begin to hold each other accountable for prayer and to talk about spiritual things. You talk about sports and you talk about school and you talk about work. When was the last time you had a conversation about your devotional life? About what you were getting from God's word? About what was said in a message that you listened to? If God is really the most important thing, why aren't we talking about it? It is true that your spiritual life is personal, but it shouldn't stay private. You should be talking to your family, encouraging. Why don't we pray right now that God would help this to be the year that our family becomes so committed to the gospel. Not just learning more facts, but acting it out. Heavenly Father, God, I pray you help each family that's listening, each person. God, I pray you help my family. God, help us to be get serious about our walk and help us to put our hope in you help us to avoid the temptation of the right now God help us to stop making excuses for the things that we know we need to do not just out of guilt God but because we know that they're important God, help us to stop making the excuse that we're too tired or that it takes too much time. God, help us to live for the next life. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for not making comfort a God in your life. God, we thank Jesus that he didn't reject the cup, but he said, God, I don't want to go through this. And if it be your will, 
let it pass for me. But nevertheless, thy will be done. God, help us look every day for what your will is and help us take the steps to act it out. Lord, I pray for our church this year, Lord, that you would help us come together like we never have before. God, we thank you that 2020 has proven to us that we can handle more than we thought we ever could. God, help this year to be the year that we take the next step and stop living for the right now and start living for the eternal. God, we're going to praise you for all of it. In your name we pray. Amen.